Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the Die Living Podcast. Today's special guests we have on are some of the coaches from Training Think Tank. We got Kyle Spears and Adam Rogers. I'm not going to sit here and give their intros. I'm going to go ahead and let them do it. So first one up is going to be go ahead and go Kyle. Go ahead and drop a line. Let us know who you are and where you're from. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Kyle Spears, obviously. I'm originally from Minnesota. I moved down to Georgia a year ago to take a job at uh, Training Think Tank. Um, I was in the Marine Corps for four years. I went through um, BRC, um, also went through uh, Scout Sniper School. And then since I got out, I've just been trying to make the most out of a CrossFit career, uh, whether that be coaching or competing. Um, and now I'm kind of starting to get towards the back end of my competitive career and making a little bit more of a switch over to the coaching side of things. Nice. And for everyone that doesn't listen, Kyle is a former recon Marine. I know he did say that. And he has been to the games a couple of times. I'm going to go ahead and bloat you for a little bit, buddy. There you go. <laughs> um, so the cool thing about this podcast, we are going to be talking a lot about mental toughness and can it be trained or is it coming from the human? And I, I know all of us on this podcast today can relate to that somehow in some way. Um, but going on, Adam. So Adam Rogers actually used to be, was my coach for about a year. Oh, was a year actually. Um, yeah. And then you got your piece of metal in the mail, didn't you? Yeah, I do. I have it actually. So it's not that bad. bad boy. <laughs> but Adam Rogers actually was a has been a big influence actually to my coaching career and actually my growth um, from then to where I am now. And actually, it wasn't that he wasn't a bad coach or anything. I just had to come off because I was super busy with life and had to fix myself internally. And uh, you know, when I came on with Softly full time, that's kind of where I was able to kind of reset back and kind of see where I'm going today. So Adam, take your man. It's all you, buddy. Yeah, uh, Adam Rogers. I'm a coach at Training Think Tank. I've been working there for, I guess, about three years now. Uh, my background was I was an electrical engineer coming out of college. And then um, after college, I was played four years of college soccer, got out, ran some triathlons, did some endurance stuff, and just wasn't finding my niche in terms of workout regimens. So usual CrossFit route, I started up with dot-com stuff, got an OPT blog for a little bit, and then... Um, after two years of regional as an individual, I, my wife, Becky, got me signed up with Max for individual program design, and the rest is kind of history. So I was, I was his athlete for about three years. Um, he hired me as a coach after that because I wouldn't stop asking questions about everything that he was putting into my design. And uh, yeah, man, it's just been a really fun path to get to this point. No, I definitely do. So this kind of leads me into this. Um, training Think Tank is currently on the boom right now is what I kind of like to think about it, um, you know, with bringing on CTP um, and kind of really pushing the social media aspect and you guys really putting out your philosophy and knowledge. How has that actually impacted you guys as coaches now with kind of like holding up to that pressure? And, you know, because when we look at a training think tank right now, it has Travel's, uh, Travel Mayor, uh, Tra Travis Mayor and Noel Olson who are at the top of the game right now for the CrossFit realm. Yeah. But you guys also are not just a CrossFit style kind of company. You guys are that everyday lifestyle. This is how you take care of your body athlete type. You know, it's not just for your mom and dad. It's not just for your top athletes. It's for your soccer moms and your everyday athlete. So how's that kind of been for you guys? And, you know, before going into that, kind of explain what training think tank is actually, you know, without, without kind of, you know, just going with that. Yeah. I mean, training think tank at its, you know, just gut level is a one-on-one -on -one coaching program. So what we do is somebody's if they have some sort of goal that they want to achieve, whether that's body composition, whether that's performance, whether that's general health and longevity, they reach out to us to get some guidance and some structure to help them along their path. So we all started off in the realm of CrossFit. So I'd say the majority of our business is still around CrossFit athletes. I think in terms of my current role, I'm probably like 80 to 85% are CrossFit based in terms of either they want to achieve the next level in the games, regionals, possibly going to the games. Um, or just trying to improve for local competitions and the like. Um, we are trying to expand into different markets as we speak. So we're talking endurance markets, we're talking team sports, team sports, uh, mixed martial arts, and then also trying to get onto the general health client a little bit more. So I think when people see the brand and they see the quality that we're trying to put into the brand, there is a, almost like a, 
a stigma that's associated with it. Like you have to be a high level athlete to sign up to train think tank. Yeah. And we're trying to break through that and say, no, we're here to help everybody that we can in terms of whatever it is that you want to get better at. It could be sports. It could be just being a better person, you know? So we want to help everybody that we can. I don't know what your base is in terms of CrossFit athletes or. Yeah. I mean, the majority of my athletes are all uh, CrossFit athletes. I have a few that are kind of like health and wellness. Um, but for the most part, it's all, it's all CrossFit athletes um, and from all different levels. So like high level regional competitors all the way down to, I want to break whatever place in the open. So. Yeah. Just getting better than last year. And the funny part about bringing Chris online is what it's done for me in terms of the new people that I've talked to since she's been on, we started putting out new media. It's almost like quality control. So now the people that come in, we have already gone through the process of making sure that you resonate with what it is that we stand for and how we're going to go about our business. So we're not promising, you know, fixes, magic bullets. We're promising, hey, I'm going to give you structure, but it's going to be a process and you need to be bought into the process for it to get any sort of results. But these people understand that because they've seen the YouTube videos, they've heard Max talk. So it's been great for me to be able to work with people who come in under that mindset already. As opposed to in the past, they, you might get somebody who's just ready to jump onto the next big thing. You know, I did Outlaw, I did Comp Train, I did this, now it's time to try this. So we don't want to be that. We don't want to just be the next step. We want to help somebody for the long term. That's, that's huge, dude, because I know when I came on with you, Adam, as, a, as an athlete, I was kind of fucked up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad um, that you said it. No, no, I'm not going to lie. Hey, bro, <laughs> you know me, man. I tell you how it is. Yeah, we, we've been together for that long, but, uh, and we're still talking all that stuff. But the great thing about that is, and, and the key word there was process. And a lot of times what happens is, especially in the tactical athlete realm, because this is kind of what we're kind of hitting, but not even in the tactical athlete realm, but in everyday life, people don't understand that it's a process. And yeah. I said this on a podcast a while back or something like that, but I, I started doing a lot more breath work. I've actually been experimenting with breath work and I was sitting in the sauna one day and I was doing my breath hold ladders and I was getting ready to hit a new breath hold ladder, uh, breath hold PR for myself. And I opened my eyes and looked out this window mm -hmm. and saw the clock and the, t the, t the second uh, hand just kept going and it wouldn't speed up. And I was like, why the fuck is it not speeding up right now? And I was like, I just want to speed up. Like my mind started racing and I kind of relayed that back to everyday life and people who don't understand the process. And it made me think about you guys. Cause when I came on with you, Adam, as an athlete, and this is kind of how I approach it now with, or how I do approach with my individual athletes, but also with softly programming is like, Hey guys, it's a process. We're not looking to yeah. just find the, you know, the, the quick fix. Here's a magic pill. Cause there's no, there's none of that. There is right. none of that. And right. you know, we went through a, long time of just we went through almost six to eight weeks of just fixing my movement hips. i would say it was at least two months right yeah it was yeah. it was a good time before you even let me get a barbell back really in my hands or really get into any um we did a lot of esd work which is energy system development work all aerobic base and it was a lot of just gymnastics and getting me out of pain and then mm -hmm. you let me get back at it and something that i've really been pushing to the, to the softly community is hey guys like this is a process like the goal here is not to just have you be good at your job we also, when you're done competing, are done working your lifestyle in that, in that job. Say, for instance, and I can use Kyle, for example, because we're going to go here, is not to be in pain when you get out of working in the military, LEO, firefighters, or anything. The goal is to be able to come out of it and continue doing what you're doing. And Kyle, you can resonate on this big time, bro, because you got out of the military, and you were hard-headed as hell, and your mental toughness was through the roof, and you didn't know nothing but just go. Mm. And it led you into a hole of pain. And I remember yep. for the past year, last year, you took the whole year of just getting out of pain, you yep. know, and it really made you realize like, hey, this is a process. And that's something that's really kind of talking about where we're talking about the podcast and, and more of that mental toughness can be trained or is it is it in the human? And for you, it was more kind of like Max and, and Adam, because I know Adam programs for you now, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Is, is reeling you back and letting you see like, hey, it's a process. I got to focus on micro movement to make bigger yeah. impacts on macro movement. So. Right. Kind of go with that, Kyle, where you're with, with that, you know, what kind of got into your head and what you had to do to get out of that, out of that. Yeah, mindset. I mean, for, like, when I got out of the, the Marine Corps, it was typical, like, I'm just going to ram my head into a wall every single day, and I'm going to, maybe I'll break a little bit. Luckily, being, like, 22, 25 years, to 25 years old, I didn't have to worry about my body breaking down too bad. Um, but last year, it kind of just, like, finally hit a wall, and I just, like, um you know, shoulder pain, back pain, whatever, you name it. I started just reoccurring, popping up over and over and over again. Um, 
So I had to kind of like take a step back and look at like what I was doing from a workout perspective um, and really focus on kind of dialing myself back. And as soon as I started doing that, I started to see um, some changes in my body and inside my psyche, inside like uh, my recovery habits. Um, but it wasn't like an instant thing. And that's kind of like, I started to get frustrated. Like, you know, why is, you know, I've spent two weeks not doing anything right now. Why is my shoulder still bothering me? And so over the course, of like talking to Adam coming just down to coming, having just come down to TTT, talking to all the coaches, Adam, Max, like I started to discover that like, it's kind of like an unwinding process when you're, when you're in pain, like, Maybe something hurts one day, you start to work on that, unwind whatever's going on in your shoulder, your back, and then all of a sudden, slowly over time, you know, that starts to go away, but something else pops up. And it's just like this slow, continuous process of trying to heal yourself as you uh, like progress through this kind of unwinding, unwinding process. So, and, yeah, and what the, the worst thing that you can do in that process is set expectations on the timeline, yeah. you know, so it's just going to contribute to your frustration if yep. you try and force timelines and then getting out of pain. And I, that's one of the best things that I've ever gotten from Max is, you know, your body doesn't give a shit about that timeline. It's trying to protect itself. And that's what those pain signals are doing. So you've got to figure out how to strengthen the area, lower systemic tension if needed, which I think is what we're trying to do with Kyle right now and then let things happen on their own timeline. If you force it, you're probably just going to be making more frustration for yourself in the long run. Yep. You know, you know, what's crazy is what kind of really, I think opened the door for a lot of us. And, you know, well, before for you guys, before I, before it was me was Max's uh, drop that movement program, our movement uh, course that he did. Mm -hmm. And you know what, like we talked about not before pre-show, we talked about not going six feet deep into something. Yeah. And Max and y'all guys did a very good job with that movement course of not going six feet deep into everything. You guys did a wide spectrum and were able to cover every single thing and give that person, whoever buys that program or buys the, the course, a real understanding of it. And the biggest thing I took out of it was there is no set timeline on getting out of pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be because everybody in general, everybody, and we can't even not even talk about tactical athlete or the high level crossfitter or anybody in general, you talk about your 50 year old, 60 year old woman who goes to a physical therapist who's been having hip pain, knee pain, back pain for years. And she keeps bouncing back and forth from somebody because she doesn't understand why she can't get out of pain and not sticking to understanding like, Hey, this is a process. And the goal is to lower that systemic tension so that we're able to get your nervous system out of pain so you can understand how to move better again. And that's something that I think is huge. And it's actually really been helpful. You know, again, like I said, you guys have been a huge part of my philosophy and my mythology as a coach, especially when I came on to train think tank and I let them know it's like, Hey, this is where my mindset's at. This is how I do things. And if you're not going to be okay with it, then like, I don't know if we'll be able to work. And it's just been one of those things where you've been able to open up the doors to a lot of athletes to understand this. And, you know, yeah. you guys have been a big part of it. And, First off, I want to say thank you. Uh, that's a shout out to you guys. So thanks for sure. Um, but you know, one of the things that I do have for you guys, what, what, what has driven you to be where you are today? You know, not just as a coach, but as a human being and what you're doing every day. Kyle, I know you have no kids loving life, doing what you're doing. Adam, you're married. Your wife is a coach for the, <laughs> your, your wife's a coach for training, think taking, you have kids and everything else, you know, and, all the time I always talk about is the purpose identity, right? What is and what drives you today to be who you are today is kind of one of those things that I want to talk about. And yeah. You want me to take it? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think what really, what triggered the transition for me from what was basically an engineering career, I, you know, I got my, uh, my bachelor's in electrical engineering. I was an independent consultant for a long time. Um, once I started getting into CrossFit, once I got my level one, once I started trying to teach people how to do things in my garage, I immediately noticed this change in myself when I was doing it. So the, given my social nature, and you guys know me well, I'm fine interacting with a computer for 12 hours a day. It's no problem for me. I don't necessarily miss it. Um, but there's something that's tangibly rewarding about working with somebody and seeing them achieve something that they've never achieved before. And now that can be, you know, it can be performance-based, it can be health-based, it can be pain-based. Um, any of those axes. It's something that's, I think it's very primal in us as humans that we want to positively impact the people that we care about. And so for me, being able to do that on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it was 
my mom, my dad, their friends, you know, my friends, girlfriends, you know, that, so it just kept growing from there. And the more I did it, the more I was just like, man, this is, this is immensely more rewarding for me on a daily basis. And I can see myself being more passionate about this in the long run than I ever was about the engineering side of things. So that's what's, it drove me to get into this field. And then I've been lucky enough to be in touch with the right people. Um, Max, obviously being the biggest one that's given me a platform to be able to try and reach a bigger audience with it. So that's how I got where I'm at today. And I hope that's what's going to continue to drive me to wherever I'm going to go from here. Yeah. And that's huge, dude. Like one thing that I really believe in is, you know, you have to find something outside of what we're doing every day to actually drive that purpose, right. Or drive what we're doing every day. And, and the passion for you, Adam, when this, you know, and I saw it right away, dude, when we came on and I came on and we did our first consultation with each other was you were more worried about not what was going on inside the gym, but outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, go for it. If you have something to say on that. Yeah. No, we talked about that a lot. I remember, um, you know, for with you and I, um, as a former tactical person yourself, I know that your will was never going to be an issue. And it's the same with Kyle. Like, I'm never going to question your guys' willpower, your ability to just put your head down and do work. That's never going to be an issue. It wasn't about compliance. It was about trying to figure out how to get you engaged in a process, which I thought was going to get you where you wanted to go. So for me, I have to understand what it is about you and how I'm going to get that engagement and that buy-in, that investment from you. So I can't do that if I'm only talking to George the athlete. I've got to talk to George the person to do that. Yeah. And so that's what we try and bring from a training think tank side of things. So it's a corpus animus thing. There's a body and there's a mind. And we have to figure out what's driving the mind to really try and get the body where it is that you want to take it. So that initial consult, you know, you, you have a list of topics. You can get, you know, their past PRs, what's their capacity numbers like, what's their injury history like. But if you don't find out about them as a person, you've already compromised the process. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's something huge, you know, especially because I, uh, you know, coming from the individual base, going to the group setting, that's something I've really been trying to do. And it's, I'm not going to lie to you, when we have over 2,000 athletes following a program <laughs> that's a group program and trying yeah. to do that with everybody, that's something that's really hard to do. And one yeah. thing that I'm kind of doing right now is, I, I don't know, I haven't told you guys yet, it's kind of the first time you're talking about it, is I'm actually creating a softly readiness sheet. And the goal with okay. that is to be on the, put on the app so when they start their workout, the first thing that pops up is this softly readiness sheet. And okay. it's going to, and so it's the same thing. Like I got this from tracking HRV, this risk, the soft and the same thing with you guys you talk in the course, but it's asking, you know, how long did you sleep for? What was your, uh, what was your sleep like? What was your energy levels like? All those questions to create self-awareness and accountability outside the gym. So if we can get the mind to understand the body's going to follow. And that's yeah. exactly where we're going with that. Right. Um, so same thing with you, you know, Kyle, with us coming from the same background, dude, and just being mm-hmm. hazed 24 seven and mm-hmm. knowing that, we had to create psychopathic tendencies, right? Yeah. Like we did. We had to create those tendencies so that we can live day by day and survive day by day in gunfights, in the pool, on ruck runs. You know, what, has, what, is, what have you done to help translate your mindset from that to slowing down and being where you're at today? Because I'll tell you what, dude, listeners right now, all of them are at tens and the goal is to bring them down to fucking fives and below that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of it has come just within this last year uh, and kind of surrounding myself with people who tend to kind of bring themselves back down um, to a, from a 10 to, to a five. Um, and it's just been kind of like uh, learning how, uh, how do you kind of, um, I'm trying to, sorry, I'm trying to no, it's cool. talk here. Uh, but it's, it's definitely been like, I hit a breaking point of like kind of that pain cycle and I didn't want to be in that pain cycle anymore. So I, from that it's kind of helped me learn to bring myself back down, self-regulate, um, and understanding that I don't need to be going at 100% all day long, all the time that, it is okay to kind of like take a break, calm down. If I need to skip a training session in the gym, I can skip a training session in the gym. Um, whereas before I was just in an environment, obviously in the military where it was just constantly go, 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 ram your head into the wall. Same thing. Like, I think that's a big thing inside the CrossFit community right now too, is just like put in the work as much as possible and like just continue to beat yourself up. And eventually you'll, um, you'll reach kind of whatever goal you wanted to reach. Um, and so I was kind of surrounded inside that environment. Um, and then coming down here, I was able to kind of take a step back and look at big picture and realize that like watching Travis train was huge. Cause like I, I drove, I was probably a little bit harsher on him than I should have been, but like 
you'd miss a training session and be like, oh, you fucking bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, how are you going to the games and missing training sessions? But in reality, that's probably one of the best things he could do. Is like anytime he had any sort of like little tweak or anything, like he's like, yep, I'm done. I'm going to go home for the day. And he was a- he's able to train year round, whereas I'm like taking six months off at a time to let my back recover. So I don't think a lot of people get to see that, um, the behind the scenes stuff of like, uh, Travis taking time off or Noah taking time off. They just kind of see like on Instagram, like, Oh shit. So-and-so hit a PR today. Or like they did this really crazy hard workout. But what they don't see is like, they did this crazy hard workout and then they weren't able to bend over for two hours afterwards. So it's like, I think, uh, being able to see how some of this elite athletes train and do take time off and how they're smart about training with everyone being intelligent about training down here um, was kind of helpful for, for me to like down regulate a little bit. That makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely dude. And that kind of brings me to this next topic that we're going to talk about is like as, as an athlete or a human being hitting rock bottom, a lot of people <laughs> don't, don't want to fix themselves until they hit rock bottom. And, yeah. and the funny thing is, is that I think all of us have hit rock bottom somewhere somehow in our life period our lifetime. Yeah. And we've experienced that where we know we have to, step back, slow down and realize what's going on. And for you, it was last year during that time period when you were, you know, you're injured and you're like, I'm not able to train. And I know for myself, literally it just happened this year. Um, especially with, and and Adam was actually with me during this time period going through uh, the open. I remember when I was traveling every other weekend, still trying to do the open and still taking care of my, my athletes. And then, and then I was sick for eight weeks straight. I was sick every other weekend. I remember I was like, and, you know, one thing I realized from that and resonated big with me was the fact that, okay, I'm hitting rock bottom right now. I need to get, can understand it. I got to keep climbing back up and it's okay yeah. to slow down and it's okay to yeah. miss days. Yeah. I think that balance is something that's super important for anybody, especially if you're trying to figure out how to either establish longevity for somebody, or like you said, make sure that when they're done with this phase of their life, they can move on to the next and not be some broken version of themselves. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and that's funny. Like we'll talk, I just actually talked to one of my, with one of my guys I've had him for a while and he uh, just let me know that he's going to be coming out programming and it wasn't because of coaching or anything like that. It's cause he's actually 21 years old, 22 years old. And he's actually finding his purpose and identity. And he's like, mm-hmm. Hey, I got to start saving money for, you know, I have to start saving money for apartments. I got to move out of my parents' house. I'm dating yeah. this girl I've been with for a very long time. Yeah. And I was actually super happy about that because he found a balance outside of the gym. Yeah. I was like, sure. I was like, bro, I didn't know. I, I was like, I'm successful with you then. Like I helped you find something outside of the gym. Like not only do we make you a good, better athlete, but we also helped you become a better human being. And, and that's something that we all strive to do every day. Um, and a lot of people you can ask for as a coach, man, that's the best thing in the world right there. No, definitely. And I called him right away and he was like, Hey man, I was like, dude, what are you sad for? I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why are you sad for bro? I was like, Hey, I'm happy for you. This is what I want. I want you to find a purpose outside the gym. I was like, I've been there. We've all been there. I was like, we're yeah. just in the gym 24-7, training, kicking ourselves into the ground. All of a sudden, we go home, and what do we have around us? Not very much. It's like, what did I just do to myself? So that's that's. I, thanks for those two, uh, for you guys' big-time uh, like you know opinions and, and what your thoughts are on the high, behind that because that is something that I feel like doesn't resonate very well with the, the soft or the tactical realm, right? Everyone's always yeah. there. So, you know, for the guys listening right now and the ladies listening and just everyone listening in general, hey, it's okay to slow down, take a break, and step back and go and enjoy life sometimes. It's not always about driving yourself into the ground. It's not always about doing something. Even comes to work. I know, for instance, like I'm writing, I'm doing this project right now for Softly, and I had to take the week off last week from doing it because I had a writer's block. Yeah. And, and I know I've talked to Kyle about this. He's like, dude, I don't program for two days on purpose now just so I'm just that much more fresher for programming. Yeah. And yeah. You know, that's, that's something about, you know, we talk about letting the body recover. Well, how about letting the mind recover? Um, (laughs) And that is, I think uh, the big incentive for change, usually for people, as Kyle said, is usually that rock bottom point, right? I mean, leading up to that point, the probably the incentive for you to want to do a really drastic change in your daily regimen or your approach to health fitness in general isn't high enough for you to actually implement that change. But the rock bottom point, or like you said, for your guy, this positive lifestyle change that can only happen if you folk like puts more of his eggs into that basket. Like the nature of that drastic change has to be so high and the driver has to be so high for people to want to implement that. So our job as coaches is to say, Hey, before we get to that point, 
let's really talk about the value behind having more balance in your life so it doesn't have to take us getting to rock bottom for you to realize that balancing your training regimen, balancing your professional life, balancing your personal life, these are things that are going to help you in the long run. So let's get there before we actually get you to rock bottom. That's huge. And that leads us into the next thing too. We talk about um, or creating daily habits that you do every yeah. day, right? Like I just finished writing a blog for Softlead on three daily habits. And my three daily habits I've been focusing on that are most simple ones is breathing, sleeping, and eating and hydration. <laughs> um, it's probably one is because it's easy to do and it's not hard. And, uh, you know, I've had, so, right. Um, but, but for, you know, for you guys, like what are some of the habits that you've created every day? Because your guys is honestly, your guys's habits and I've been around there with you guys, you know, I've, I've come up and visit you guys and hung out and me and Kyle will hung out and we'll go and wake up, grab coffee, get breakfast, head to the gym, train, come back, do some program design maybe take a nap, read a book, <laughs> come back, program some more, train again and program some more, then you're done, you know? Um, so you guys have a really good, not I'm saying easy, but you guys have a routine that can really burn you guys out. So what kind of drives you not to have that, uh, that creating th those daily routines that drive you to be burnt out and gives you, what other habits do you have that, you know, make it better every day? Yeah. Um, so I've, never really had a structured lifestyle until I started to come down here and take on more clients. Um, so this is like a little bit new for me and creating like habits throughout the day. Um, but one thing I've been definitely working on doing is like before bed, I sleep like a piece of shit. So before bed, um, I've been working on just kind of like calming myself down a little bit more. So like I'll get in the shower for 15 or 20 minutes and just like sit there in a warm shower and just like, breathe not try and think about anything maybe i'll have like a sports game on in the background or something like that um and then after that i'll do like some foam rolling and some uh some breathing work and then i'll just like climb into bed super relaxed and try and just like stay asleep for the whole night which very rarely happens but <laughs> but that's like <laughs> yeah so that's kind of like uh, the ha like the big thing I've been trying to do is just create a little bit more um, alone time for myself, I guess, um, where I don't have to be stimulated by like social media, computer screen, anything like that. Um, I can just be kind of alone with my thoughts for a little bit and not uh, focused on whatever's going on the next day, whatever's going on in the world around me. So that's huge. How about you, Adam? What, what are some of the things? Because I know you have kids and, and you're all over the place all the time, man. And you manage to program for a bunch of athletes and still do very fucking awesome. And I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I, I, uh, I look up to that for sure because that's something, you know, that my number one priority is my kids, right? And that's the reason why, yeah. you know, you yeah. pick certain things and do things. But so for you, like, what do you do to create? Because that key word right there is a long time. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But for you, though, what is that, man? What, what do you do? Yeah, I think... I fell into a lot of different traps, you know, to get to this point. I'm not sure that I have all the answers yet, but I know that where I'm starting to find improvement is when I try and compartmentalize my day a little bit more effectively. And what I mean by that is, so if I've got, you know, three main aspects of my life, I've got, you know, Adam, the coach, Adam, the athlete and Adam, the dad. So what I need to figure out how to do is to keep those three different areas of my life from bleeding into each other. Cause what's going to happen is it's going to suck the quality out of all of them over the time. So if I'm going to set aside my day and look at my day and say, hey, from 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock, I'm Adam the coach. I'm answering emails. I'm doing my program design. I'm doing my research from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock. That has to go away. And now I'm Adam the athlete. If these guys bleed over to each other, like if I leave a program design half undone and I go out to the gym and I try and start squatting, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about what was that progression I need to do. I'm, I've already compromised the training quality of my squat. I compromised the program design because I left it undone this is the trap that I'm trying to save myself from right now. So what I'm doing to try and work my way through this is I'll write myself an email as I transition from like one atom or one hat to the next. And I'll say, this is where your thought process was. You're going to put this behind by tangibly writing this down on a piece of paper or a digital piece of paper as it will inside of Gmail. <laughs> and it helps for me to put it down because it's almost like this physically getting it out of my head. And then I can focus on the next thing in my life. When I'm done with my training session, I immediately put them into the spreadsheet for my coach. I'm done with that. I don't have to think about it anymore. It might have been a shit training day, right? I could have missed some of my progressions. I could have, you know, I had to cut my rest short or I had to cut the sets down. As soon as I write it down, it's out of my head. And then I go home and I'm Adam the dad. 
So the ability for me to try and compartmentalize my day has been the most effective way I've found of increase the training quality along all those areas of my life. But like you said, it's, it's just hard. And as you try and prioritize one over the other, you have to make sure that you're allocating sufficient time to make sure that that doesn't suffer as a result of the other ones. And I know that you as, are the same person, right? So as your professional side started to increase, you had to put more eggs in that basket. So that's why we backed off it for George as an athlete. You had to take a step back for a little bit there and unwind. And it's not to say that you don't value that anymore because you do still work out. You do still value your physical self, but you understand that there is going to be a shift in the priorities as you go from, from piece to piece there. Yeah, that's huge, man. I really, I, I just took something from you on that dude, like being able to write yourself an email because there's times where I'm doing work and I need a break on purpose so I can keep my mind fresh and go train. And then, you know, I'll write it down or do something like that and then come back and I'm confused. I'm like, Oh shit. Now I have to sit there for 20 minutes and go back and look at all my work I just did just to see where I'm going. Um, yeah. so that was huge, dude. That's, that's something that's big, man. And like I wrote that down, you know, time block and create boundaries between who you are at that time and moment. Again, we don't want to create boundaries in our life, but we're creating, you know, compartments, like you said, and I use compartments instead of boundaries. I think it's a better word. It's the reason why you, yeah, you want to, you want to be present wherever you are. I think that the ability for you to be present in any different aspect of your life is going to increase the quality that you can put into there. And it's going to increase your own like fulfillment in the long run. Cause then you're not just constantly bouncing around in your head when you're trying to like sit there and play Legos with your kid. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I know one thing that I learned from you, dude, was huge was like, I know at time at nighttime, sometimes you're three hours ahead of me. Um, and I'd be getting emails at nine o'clock and I was like, this guy is working at 12 AM at night. Like I'm like, Jesus. And like, I do the same thing. Like that's how I do things. But I did yeah. that because I took, I sacrificed taking time to spend time with my kids or right. other things that I had to do. And I'm okay with that. For instance, last night I worked until 10 o'clock last night with writing stuff so I could have free time this morning to spend with my daughter. And then exactly. start, and and again, you have to give some to give some or gain some a little bit. And the biggest thing I want to talk about is alone time, right there, right? A lot of people do not take alone time, and they don't value it enough. They yeah. don't value their alone time. For instance, Kyle, you said you've learned your alone time is at nighttime before bed. Yep. For you, for you, Adam, yours is legitimately your training session. That's it, man. That's what I get. But I make the most out of it. Yeah, um, you know, if it means that I have to be a little bit antisocial around the gym and walk around with my headphones on outside there. I mean, that's something that I'm willing to do. I know that everybody's used to my antisocial ways now and they don't take it personally anymore. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel as bad about doing it, but it does, like, I think there's too much of a negative st stigma around the idea of being selfish. And I think that's where people go with the alone time is they get caught up in this idea of, if I do this, it's me being selfish and it's me not caring for everybody else around me. When really, I think that if you can put that time and energy into, your, into yourself, you increase your ability to care for everybody else around you when it's time to do so. But if you get, if you just all day are walking around worrying about everybody else and you're not being selfish, I mean, that's setting yourself up for some, for a disaster. Yeah, definitely. I just had yeah. a conversation with our dietitian because we just dropped a nutrition program for soft fleet and our dietitian just graduated dietitian school, obviously, and graduated from college and all that good stuff. And she's, she, I was asking her how, how this first week goes, just checking up on her, how the first week go with, uh, with nutrition. She's like, I'm barely catching up on work. And I was like, slow down. It's okay to take a break. Like, yeah. You're, yeah. you're a human. You're not a superhuman. And she was like, you know, I haven't had that advice before. It's really good advice. And I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. It's taken four years for me to learn this. <laughs> and no one told me anything. Everyone saw me doing it. None, no one around me were like, hey, you might want to slow down, bro. Um, no, I had to learn on my own, you know. And, and it's just one of those things that, you know, having people around us in that environment that we create, for instance, you know, training think tank is an amazing environment and the coaches that are around there and the people that are around there all get it right. They all fucking get it. Like most people don't get it. And you walk into that environment and everyone in there gets it. And that is kind of like the lifestyle that we all should be striving for to really understand. Like let's slow down. It's okay to be selfish at times. And I'm the same way now, dude, now that I own a gym, bro, you should see me going to the gym and train. Now I, I put earphones in and I train for an hour and I get the hell out. Like, oh, you love it though, don't you? Oh, it's so nice, bro. Oh, I'm not gonna lie to you. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's the greatest thing in the world to not have to like simultaneously be an owner and an athlete at the same physical location. Yeah, it's, it's so nice. I, you can be present in your training session, and it's the most amazing thing. Oh, dude, exactly. Like, and, and I mean, and like I know you. I don't know if you guys know, but like I'm in, I'm into the triathlon world now and the endurance world now. Like, I I literally got a mountain bike last week, and I am racing my first Xterra race on Sunday. <laughs> literally racing in my first Xterra race and I'm like, all right, like, let's just go do this. Right. Like, but being able to be present for it. 
And Adam kind of can attest to this. Adam knows that I am one of those guys that just gonna be like, fuck it, let's just go for it. Well, I, no, it's like I said earlier, right? Like your commitment is never going to be your issue. Like your ability to just all in invest into what you're doing is never going to be the issue. Yeah, no, I, it's something I admire about all of you guys. It's really impressive for me to be able to just say, all right, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to go all in and just see what happens. Yeah. Jesus Christ, what? See, see, Kyle, you asked me to see my paddle, bro. And it's like yeah. in my way now. Thanks, bro. Uh, but so some of the biggest influences for you guys, um, I know Adam, you already talked about it. Max is one of those influences you've used and you know, he's one of my biggest influences also. And it will be awesome to get him on a podcast. Uh, but sometimes he's a little scary. So it's <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason for him to be scary. So people don't ask him to be on podcast. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, but yeah, so some of y'all's influences that you guys have like, you know, really looked at not just in, in the fitness realm, but outside of the fitness realm, you know, really to kind of, get your mind where it's at, you know, cause this is kind of really leading us into that big topic that we're going to talk about here next. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of mine come from, um, the Marine Corps. Um, just seeing a lot of the senior leadership. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to like two different battalions. I was at third and I was at second and, uh, I was able to see kind of a lot of what I liked in leadership and what I didn't like in leadership. Um, and so a lot of, um, a lot of what I tried to pick up inside my own life was from these other dudes that I liked what I saw in inside their leadership style. So I think a lot of mine come from military background. Um, and then, um, yeah, just kind of whoever I see that I like to, would like to kind of, uh, exemplify, I just try and pick up on whatever I like out, out of the, their characteristics and roll it in my life, I guess. Yeah. That's huge. That's something that I really do believe in too, man. Like being able to understand that, Hey, the leadership in the Marine Corps or the military in general is not always the greatest, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we see yeah. that in the real world also, right? Like people work yeah. an eight to five it's job and it's, yeah. it's, like, yeah. Politics it's, play a role in everything. I think so <laughs> you got to find the good and just get away from the bad as best as possible. Yeah. That's something that I do. I also like to say this is like, you know, I see what other people's mistakes are, so I do not make them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's just probably one of the simplest ways to look at it as. So. Yep, yep. How about you, Adam? I know you have a wide variety, man. So, you know, what are some of the big influences outside of the fitness realm that have kind of really helped you mold who you are today? Yeah, I mean, well, even though my exposure to him was inside the fitness realm, I mean, Max has just been a huge influence on me. Um, you know, how I conduct myself as a man, you know, how I treat the people around me that I care about. Um, you know, just a, a very big positive influence on me as, as a coach and as a boss. Um, I'd say other than that, I mean, it's almost all family oriented. I'm obviously a very private person. And so a lot of the big connections that I had in my life growing up were with my old man, with my big brother. Um, and I was lucky enough to have two exemplary role models in both of them. Um, their, uh, their ability to value, like I said, all, all the major aspects of their life without compromising the quality that they put in any of them the professional development, the personal side of things, and they're both high-level athletes in their own regard. So, like I said, I was very lucky to have them as role models in my life. Yeah, that's huge, and it kind of leads us into the next thing that we're going to talk about. You know, our past and our environment that we put ourselves into as human beings are our biggest influences to where we are now and how we are actually wired um, as human beings, right? Like, you know, so yeah. it goes into what we're going to talk about next is, you know, mental toughness. You know, the way I look at this is, you know, do you believe a mental toughness can be trained or does, does it come from the human being and their environment from the past? Because that's something that's really huge right now in the realm of just, just in general, we talked about it with, with CrossFit guys are just wanting to drive themselves in the ground because that's how they, they're going to become mentally tough. We got military guys who just want to just do every single thing. And all of a sudden they end up, everyone just ends up driving themselves into a place where now it's like, Oh, look what you thought about being mentally tough, but you know, can it be trained? You know, I've had this talk with, uh, with, uh, he's a coach for Salt Lake CrossFit, um, Justin Dixon. I remember sitting down with him once and we were asking, he's like, how do you train mental toughness and how do you do this? And, you know, I said, read books. And he said, put the guy on the rower and row for 90 minutes. Um, you know, one of those things is how you kind of can build it. So for you guys, what do you look at with that and kind of leading us into this, in this realm of, you know, mental toughness and can it be trained for the human or is it something yeah. else? I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with like, what is the context that you're looking at with mental toughness? Um, if you're 
looking at mental toughness for a performance perspective or from a performance perspective, like your end all goal is like to be a better performer, right? And do you, is mental toughness one of the things that you lack? Um, and if it's one of the things that you lack, then I think absolutely it's definitely like a trainable um, quality. But I think right now a lot of the people inside like the uh, fitness community are looking at a lot of these like high level athletes as mentally tough people. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it might be one of the characteristics that they exemplify. Um, but I think it's, uh, I think looking at it from like a performance perspective, like when an NFL player goes out on the field on Sunday, it's, he's putting on a performance for people like that's his art form, you know? Um, or when a CrossFit athlete goes out onto this, the regional floor, games floor, like that's their performance. That's their art form. So I think if you're looking at mental toughness from a perspective of performance, um, I think it's definitely something that will have to be addressed. And there are definitely things that you can do to train it. Um, but I, uh, I think it all just needs to be taken into context, whether you can say it's like a trainable quality or not, and look at what you're trying to accomplish with, with creating a mentally tough person. If that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Adam? Yeah. I mean, the idea of mental toughness as Kyle was alluding to is it's a vague concept to me and I'd be interested to talk a little bit more about how we're going to define it. Um, that's what I was about to say. It was like, define. Yeah, when, I, when, I, when I hear it, I, the, what rings in my head is this ability of uh, somebody's pain tolerance. You know, mm -hmm. what, what's your relationship like with pain and how do you respond when pain sets in? Um, on the, along those lines, I think it is a very trainable quality, but I think it starts with awareness. And I think it starts with what's your awareness of your own relationship with pain. So pain can exist emotionally. It can exist physically. It can be completely mental. Um, but your ability to take a step back and be like monitoring what your pain is like, as opposed to like focused attention on the pain, I think is going to improve your relationship with pain. And then that's going to then downstream improve your mental toughness along those lines. Now, if we can agree that it is a trainable quality, we have to talk about like, how do you improve a trainable quality? You have to build awareness around where the weak point is, right? So it's not just about more exposure to pain. So if you are, George, if you're weak in chest bar pull-ups, which when we started up, that was the main weak point for us. That was a working point. I'm not just going to say, hey, George, every single day, go do 100 chest bar pull-ups. Mm -hmm. That's not how you get better at that training quality. I mean, I would have done it, but it doesn't mean I would have got better. You would have done it, right? <laughs> like, I would have got compliance. It's like, the willpower was not an issue. But we have to build our awareness around what goes into that weakness, and then we can then train that quality, right? So for me, for pain and for mental toughness, I have to build awareness around what is their relationship with pain. Um, what I think goes into that is also allowing them to figure out and express vulnerability around this. And Kyle and I were talking about this a little bit before we hopped on the call with you. I think that it's important for people to realize that they have the ability and that it's acceptable for them to express vulnerability because then it allows them to work on mental toughness in a realm where there's not judgment involved in it. So the idea of a you know, sports psychologist or just like mental health coaches, right? there's probably a stigma associated with that because for you to go and work with those professionals, you have to basically admit that you have a weakness in that area. But why is that a negative stigma when for you to come and work with me on chest of our pulps was not right. So I, we have to address that and we have to make sure that when you're training mental toughness, you are allowing somebody to be vulnerable and express their weakness inside any given domain outside of judgment, outside of any sort of, you know, ability for me to say like, hey, this reflects on you badly as a person. No, this is an aspect of what we're going to try and train for you to then improve your ability to achieve success along any axis that you care about. That could be performance based or it could just be professionally based. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I want to work on with somebody who I think has to be more mentally tough is allowing them to express vulnerability, figure out where it comes from. How can we improve upon that concept, that aspect of that concept? And then from there, over the long run, they're going to be more able to express what it is about mental toughness that they need to improve upon. Yeah, dude, that's, that's huge, man. Like one thing that I talked with an athlete, we're talking about mental toughness and she's going through sports psychology for college and all that good stuff. And she said that she, their professor talked about mental toughness is not something that, that, uh, I should say mental toughness can only be defined. So you, the athlete must be able to define mental toughness for it to actually work. 
and grow in the mm -hmm. athlete. Mm -hmm. And you did it well, you did it amazing right there. You, you're like, hey, you need to build self-awareness. You need to be either, you need to be emotionally and physically invested along with you have to be vulnerable with it and being okay with coming and opening up to being like, hey, look, I want to get better at something and I know I'm weak at it. I need your help doing it. And a lot mm -hmm. of people do not want to do that at all. Yeah, there's, there's just something about the idea of admitting weakness around the lines of mental health that I think is going to dampen or like put the brakes on anybody's approach to trying to become mentally tough in the long run. You have to admit to the point and you have to basically say like, I'm human, like I have this ability, I have this self-doubt inside of my head when it comes to doing a 2K row time trial. So like I can train progressions all day long and like maybe I'm gonna give you more and more dose of pain. That's not necessarily gonna make you mentally tough unless we talk about, hey, what is it that you're scared about on there? Is it the pain? Is it the idea of not living up to your expectations? Is it the idea of my perceived judgment for you as, a, like, as an athlete and your coach? We have to talk about that. We have to figure out where that weakness is coming from. But first, you have to be comfortable enough to be able to express that to me. So I was reading a really interesting article about the All Blacks, right? The New Zealand rugby team. Yeah. They have built this culture completely based around the idea that they want to encourage and give incentive to these guys to say, hey, your mental health is as important of a training quality as anything that you're going to do out on the field, power, speed, endurance, anything else. We want to build a culture for you that you can basically come forward and say, Hey, this is me. I'm vulnerable. I'm a person. It's okay for me to express fear, anxiety, stress, nerves. Cause then once I have the ability to express that I'm more comfortable and confident in myself as an athlete than be able to go out and express the capacities that truly matter for my performance. So Fuck. I think in general, it's something that we overlook as coaches because it's not like there's not progressions built around you know mental toughness like no. there's not road progressions there's not strength progressions there's not like you know five through one or anything else that goes into it but it's a conversation that has to be had with everybody you have to build awareness around it you have to figure out where it comes from but it starts off with everything else that we do you have to get to know them as a person to make them comfortable enough to be able to express the idea that they are vulnerable and it's okay for them to be vulnerable yeah that's huge and word we've used a lot today is expectations um, yeah. and this kind of goes into that mental toughness realm and can it be trained and I think what really ends up fucking people up <laughs> is the fact that they set expectations on themselves and then they put a block on themselves and which ends up creating a stigma of like okay I'm not mentally tough because I did not reach this when realistically think about this you stepped up you took on that 2K row. Let's go and use that 2K row because we all know a 2K row is fucking painful when you go 100, 110%. For Kyle, it's 150% and he falls off and is dead for two hours. But <laughs> um, that is Kyle. Yeah, that's one thing I can I admire and love about Kyle. It's like, bro, you haven't trained anything for the past year and you're still beating all of us. How is that possible? Um, but no, so like, you know, we talk about expectations. And this, the expectations of it all is like, how can we build resiliency so we do not cater to the expectations of failure, right? Because failure can actually turn into something very positive mm -hmm. if you have the mental capacity and the mental toughness to understand that, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I was, I'm in the middle of reading a Carol Dweck mindset right now. Um, yeah, it's a good book. I don't, I, have you read it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the idea of fixed versus growth, right? So your ability to go into any sort of situation, any sort of experience and say, hey, this is an opportunity for me to learn and get better. Or like you're so worried about perceived judgment or your own ability to perform that you basically like you compromise your ability right out the gate because you're just so worried about what's going to happen. Yeah. Like you immediately compromise any potential benefit you could have had at that experience. So I think it all sort of ties in and trying to say like, hey, every single time that you test yourself, it's not necessarily a, a success fail, Right. What it is, it's an opportunity for you to figure out how to get better regardless of the results. And that, that exists independently of anything that you did on that rower. You know, whether you PR or not, you're going to learn from that experience. And that's on you. Yeah, I, had a, I had a coach back in the day that told me every time I touched a basketball, I got better. So I think uh, just inside like the realm of CrossFit, people look at um, – you know, oh, I sucked at muscle ups today. It's like, well, you did muscle ups today and you can learn from that experience to help yourself grow. Every time you jump on a set of rings, you're getting better in some way, shape or form. Um, and I think that is one thing that a lot of people lack is just the ability to recognize like taking positives out of, uh, out of their training session and taking the good away from the training session and understanding like I trained today and I got better at something. So 
Yeah. Even if, so, even I'm if sorry, they, the growth mindset yeah. portion of that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely dude. I've actually, the reason I read that, I read that book two, three years ago and it, and that's really what helped me out to understand the growth mindset and the fixed mindset and kind of really started getting me into that realm. And I think the story that sticks with me a lot from that book is the fact about, uh, the student that goes into, goes into the class or he's running late. So he's running late to school. He parks in the wrong spot, goes in, takes his test comes out, sees that he has a, a, got a parking you know, ticket, parking ticket. Yeah. And he, he's pissed off about it and then yeah. finds out he, he failed the test. Yeah. And then she uses the example of like, here's the fixed mindset he used and here's the growth mindset he used, you know? Yeah. And it, it just, it opened my mind to being like, Oh my God, that was like a light bulb because of the fact that, you know, in the example for people to understand, like, it, it's been like two or three years since I read it and you could probably attest to this, Adam, but she goes the fixed mindset he's going to blame everyone else around him mm -hmm. than himself. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. the growth mindset on there is he goes, well, I could have showed up earlier. I could have parked somewhere else. Um, I could have studied harder. I could have done this and this and that to get a better score on my test. Right. And the key word, and, and like, I never realized what that, what I was getting to on that. It's accountability. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. But I mean, the, the end takeaway there for me is your perception is in your control. These external results are going to exist regardless. You completely control how you want to perceive what's going to happen to you on a daily basis. And for me to get caught up into like what other people think about me or like whether I, you know, had a great day or a bad day, I can't get too tied into that. I'm going to try and learn from everything that happens to me on a daily basis. And that's going to lead to my own fulfillment in the long run and hopefully my growth and development as a person, as a coach, as an athlete in the long run. Yeah, that's huge. Dude. And that's something that, you know, we talked about pre-show, you know, when I started doing my first podcast and all that good stuff and like having to come out more with, with social yeah. media and putting myself out there, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was super scared. I was like, well, I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm ready to do it. Same yeah. thing with you guys. Like you guys don't always, like, we don't always feel ready to do it, but we just got to step, step in there and just get after it. Right. Like yeah. that's the only yeah. way we're going to grow. Um, yeah. And, and be willing to learn from the experience. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's plenty of people that go out there and do it, but still don't understand how to learn from the experience. So, yeah. And, and I see that everywhere, you know, like we see it in CrossFit, we see it in football, we see yeah. it in soccer. And I saw it plain as day. I did my, I did a triathlon like three weeks ago and some guy that I was doing it with, he, uh, we started, he's like, everyone was like, Oh man, you're always beating everybody. He's like, Oh, we'll see how I go today or whatever else. Right. And, uh, I beat him on the swim, beat him on the bike. Of course he beats me on the run. The dude weighs 160 <laughs> pounds. And when we got done, the dude was straight up just like, oh, all right. Like thinking he was hot shit. And like, dude, like you could be so much better if you just opened your mind to being like, how can I be better at this and not walk around like a complete douchebag? Yeah. 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 It, yeah. it was just like, dude, cool. You beat people. Awesome. But like, why haven't you competed at a higher level? Like, why <laughs> haven't you done this? Like, it's yeah. an example of somebody that gets caught up in the results. Yeah. So he won on that day and he's going to take that win and that victory as an excuse to not try and get better at the things that he could have improved upon. Right. So, I mean, results versus process, right? If he look at, if he looks at the process, he could say, Oh man, I could have shaved eight minutes off my swim time and I could have shaved 30 seconds off my transition and then five minutes off of the bike, you know, but instead he says, Oh, I won. There's no reason for me to have to look deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and that just goes with everybody. Um, and I think that's, that's huge. But yeah, guys, I thank you guys so much for taking your time out of your day because I know you guys are super busy. Um, but this was this was spot on, and I know everyone's going to be listening is going to enjoy it. So thanks, guys. A couple of questions I'd like to ask at the end, though, um, something I'm starting to do new, is first off, a couple of books that you guys want to go ahead and throw out there for people to read. Um, it can be fitness-related, whatever else you want to think about it, and go from there. Um, so we'll go with you, Adam, first. You, bud. Yeah, I'm reading uh, Mindset with Carol Dweck right now. Really like it. Um, just got done with Drive. I think that one's Daniel Pink. Uh, might be his name. Another really, really good one. Internal, uh, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Yeah. Um, that, that sort of gets into what we were talking about a little bit as well. This idea behind like process or results, like which one is going to lead to like a real deep, like satisfying, gratifying drive for you to try and get better and grow and develop. Um, I've been reading oxygen advantage, which I actually got off one of the podcasts. I think it was with Rob Wilson that you guys were talking about. Yep. That. Yeah. So I've been, thinking about a lot about those concepts, talking with Evan, trying to figure out how we can fix Kyle's dysfunctional breathing patterns. Um, but yeah, I really love that book as well. That's something that I'd recommend any, anybody, anybody who's coaching to try and pick that up. A lot of really good insights. Out of that. Yeah. That's a, that's a big book, dude. I enjoyed that book a lot. That actually is what kind of like set me into the foundation of exploring more in breath work, dude. 
yeah. um, and really teaching how to fix dysfunctional breathing patterns. And we can talk yeah. about that as a show for sure. Yeah. A lot of so, good context. Dude, it's amazing. All right, Kyle, how about you, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, uh, I read a champion's mindset and then, um, the Mark divine Navy seal book this year. Um, of course you did. Think, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I think uh, going off the perspective of like a growth mindset though, I think um, the subtle art of not giving a fuck would help people out a lot. I think they tie themselves to kind of like results like Adam was saying a little bit too much and if you kind of learn how to not give a fuck about what the end result is, it'll help you to kind of understand like it's a growing process. Um, so I, there are some takeaways from that book, but I kind of, I read that book recently, but I'm more so on probably going to be reading this mindset book um here shortly and some other books that Adam might have recommended so yeah yeah the other one that i really liked which i actually recommended for kyle was a uh, tribe by uh, Sebastian yeah, younger i listened to that, about that that one's sweet oh yeah. man that one's really really powerful yeah. and i think for the people who would be listening to the podcast i think we have yeah. a ton of value because yep. what he talks about in there is this uh you know the rising rates of ptsd and the disability claims that come up from soldiers is not necessarily about the soldier it's not about the person. It's not about the experience. It comes back to putting the onus on the society. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really powerful. Like it goes back into saying like, it's not about you. It's not about like, this is a reflection on you. These feelings aren't just something that you have to deal with on your own. This is about society's failure to really treat you and give you the connections that you need to come back from a war experience and feel valued and feel like you're a part of the society. So I, I would definitely recommend that for yeah. all of your listeners. That one was sweet. I, yeah, highly recommend that one. That's that's I did a podcast with mentors of military just re uh, yesterday actually talking about thinking outside the box and no boundaries, and that leads me to that dude is like we set ourselves up environments that put us in this box, and all of a sudden it makes you have to feel sorry for yourself. Oh, I went through this trauma, I went through all of yeah. this and everything else yeah. like that. But you don't understand is like you can think outside of the box and find out ways to help better yourselves at the end of the day and put yourselves in a stronger tribe that's going to support you. But people yeah. are not afraid to do it or afraid to do it. It's just, it's just mind blowing. I mean, I got, I can, I'll test to this, you know, when I transitioned out of the Marine Corps into civilian world, I had just found I was getting ready to have a new baby. Um, I was going through a lot of transitional stuff and I could have either crumbled or, you know, and I didn't, I actually, I had some hard times, you know, whatever else, but I really had to pick myself up and just put myself in places that were going to help surrender, uh, helps give me that environment to continue growing in the right tribe. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'll have to read that book for sure, dude. And I'm pretty sure everyone's going to enjoy that book. Yeah, so, no, I think it's a ton of value in that. I, it sort of gets back to the mental toughness side of things. This idea that your experience of pain and your ability to be tough isn't necessarily like just completely dependent on you. It's dependent on the support structure and the connections and bonds that you have with people. And so I think just you can't underemphasize that enough for people. Like you have to be able to be willing to reach out to these guys who are coming back and help them develop the kind of bonds that they were experiencing when they were over and deployed. Because the contrast between like the experience and the bonds that you guys went through when you're over there and now you come back to a society that's detached and fragmented and everybody's on their own and on social media with artificial connections and friendships and bonds. That contrast I think is just like, of course, that's going to drive people crazy. Yeah, speak, speaking from experience too, like I don't think you can look for people to reach out for you also. Like you have to kind of go for it and search for the community. That's kind of what I did when I got out is like I found CrossFit. Mm -hmm. I found a community inside CrossFit and I've kind of just like left from community to community inside the CrossFit realm. So like find a passion and find a community inside that passion. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's huge. That's something that I really had to do too also. And I can resonate with that also because of the fact that it was one of those things where it was like, all right, do I surround myself with a bunch of people who feel sorry for themselves and think negative all the time? Do I surround, my, yeah. surround myself with guys like you who have this positive mental attitude, who don't feel sorry for themselves and they're looking to get better every single day. Um, and that's one of those things where, you know, we have to understand that that's, that you have control of that. You know, yep. <laughs> I can only lead you to the water to drink the water, right? That's what's that saying? The horse, I can only lead the horse to the water, but it's on him to drink if he wants to or not. Same yep. thing with a human being in general. Like if they don't, if they don't, you know, if, we can only push them so much or help them so much, but if they don't want to change themselves, nothing's going to change. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's up to us to give them an outlet to be able to reach out through, but also give them in the incentive and like not the discouragement that goes along with it. It's so like we talked about earlier, the willingness to be vulnerable, to reach out for help and to say like, Hey, like this is something that I can't go through on my own. It doesn't mean that it reflects poorly on me as a person. It's just that I need help right now. Yeah, definitely. I love that. That word incentive, man. I haven't used that word in a long time and, 
we use in the military all the time. Like, Hey, it pays to be a winner. It pays to be a winner. <laughs> and we get into the wrong stigma of mindset it pays to be a winner, right? Like, yeah. it, you know, it doesn't pay to be a winner. It pays to have an incentive for everybody. Um, right. and that doesn't mean we create entitlement for every single buddy, right? Like, Oh, cool. You completed this workout. Here's a cookie. No, it's like, Hey, here's your incentive. You complete this workout. We just gave you something even more so you can keep carrying on forward with it. And I think yeah. that's that keyword incentive is huge. So, um, yeah. but thanks guys. I appreciate it very much. Um, and if you need to get a hold of you guys, you guys, uh, want to put some of your stuff out there for social media or emails and wise. Uh, JP. At- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, if you guys want to get a hold of Adam or Kyle, they're actually super busy. So, um, you have to go through the training think tank email through, uh, through John. So, um, I know how it is. No, no, seriously. No, it's, it's how it is. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things, man. It's a complete professional thing. It's the same thing with us. Um, we have a little bit more open door, but everything goes to our, our human like resource person. Then she tags all of us or sends assigns us. Yeah. My, my own argument is I'm too ignorant to use social media these days anyways. So you can tag me on there. I might try and like it. I might hit the wrong button and like defriend you or something, but all that stuff is beyond me now. Since I'm like a decade younger than Adam, I can like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. But yeah, cool. Thanks guys. I appreciate it very much. All right, sure. man. Thanks for the time, George. Thanks for having us on buddy. Awesome. We'll see you later, man.